Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than Nicolas Cage asking you to put the Barney back in the box. I love Conair and all his cheesy goodness. My name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide, you know the score, on this, the original 1990s football podcast. Hope you are very well and enjoying the start of the season. I mean, what, are we already a month in, four games in? Had one of those annoying international breaks where we're already gearing up for the Premier League and Championship, League One, League Two, whatever your preference is, action. But yeah, we're back on all scores this weekend. But yeah, it's been a good start, especially if you're a QPR fan, an impressive start um, to the season. We Last time we spoke to you or you listened to us, we were live at the Jumpers for Goalpost Festival um, over the summer, which was really enjoyable. Um, go back in the archive and listen to that show if you haven't already. Uh, myself, Joel, Matthew and Nigel Winterburn. It was great value. We talk about it on the show, so I won't hark on about it too much. Um, today we're back in our usual guys uh, on the Skype line, which, you know, isn't always as good as being live, but is definitely still always great to be on the line with my two favourite 90s inspired uh, people. Something which I should mention, which we didn't mention on the show, stupidly, but I'm going to pick Matthew's brains about it when we do our next episode. He, in the, during the break between this episode and the, the one you're about to listen to, went on a US trip, uh, which is also already awesome, but he went with Brian Bloomin' McClare. Oh, friend! Football friend! Yeah, Brian McClare and Matthew Christ up in the US, so I think we should grill Matthew next episode all about that because um, we forgot to even ask him about it on this episode so yeah we're definitely going to ask about that um, I've been away Joe's been away so yeah it's been a little bit longer um, since the last episode but we have got three back-to-back episodes hitting your airwaves over the next few weeks that are already booked in and ready to go starting with today's episode where we've got a guest on the line as well friend of the show Richard Foster who uh, you may remember if you're a, a key listener, which I hope you are to a live and kick in, was here for our playoff episode quite a while ago. He is Mr. Playoff. If you want to know anything about the playoffs, then Richard is your man. He's written a book about it, but he's also updated it year on year. So he is, I think he says on the show, if he wants to mastermind category, it would be the playoffs. Although today we're not talking about playoff football because it's the wrong time of year to talk about that. We're talking about Richard's brand new book, which is called Premier League Nuggets. I won't do the plug for him because he does it on the show, but it's going to be a very exciting book. It's out next month. Um, lots of stats and facts and figures about Premier League football over the years. And we, we chat through a few of them, obviously 90s centred um, and also around our own football club. So, you know, disclaimer, a warning, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's a lot of Middlesbrough, obviously, because Joel's on the show, Man United, um, obviously QPR and Richard being a Palace fan. We do sort of lean on those clubs a little bit. But there's some fun facts and figures generally about Premier League football that um, Richard gives us. He also asked a quiz question that I get horrendously wrong that I'm still annoyed about. We recorded it last night and I'm still annoyed at myself that I got this so wrong because I knew the answer as well. I'm not blagging you. I got all confused in my brain and got the numbers mixed up. But um, I won't spoil it for you. But all I'll say is that I'm wrong. Really, really wrong. And uh, if I could go back and re-record that answer, I really would. I do make up for it at the end of the episode with a QPR-inspired question, um, but I really should have known the uh, the question that uh, Richard posted towards the uh, beginning of the show. But yeah, stay tuned for that one. Um, we haven't got a 90s footballer on the phone this time around, but we do have some in the pipeline, so look forward to those as well in the uh, coming episodes of Alive and Kicking. And I can give you a couple of spoilers that we'll be talking Diego Maradona, um, on the next episode, which we've never really talked about on a live kick-in, because I suppose 
When you think of Maradona, it's very much more 80s, Napoli, 1986 and all that. But there was obviously some big stories in the 90s. And we're going to be, uh, we've got a special guest who knows just all about that, which I'll tell you more about. Uh, towards the uh, towards next week when the show is out, and then after that we'll also be talking um, Cup Winners Cup, but I'll leave that there as well, and um, so you can find out those following episodes in the in the coming weeks. Um, anything nineties I want to talk about before we get into the show? Oh yes, there is Nike's third kits. Nike, what is wrong with you, right? I'm you know as you know well now on this podcast, I'm a big kit geek, love a football kit. Um, I think this season's been a pretty decent season. Notably, Umbro have uh, released some absolute killer kits. Um, and Adidas with Arsenal as well, of course. Um, but I'm always slightly disappointed with Nike. I mean, they're not alone in the big companies that do a lot of boring templates. Um, but Nike, I've never not been too enthused by most of their kits. But blooming hell, the third kits they've released over the last week or so. I, I mean, many of you would have seen the leaks on uh, social net, on social media and stuff, we all see them. But to see them fully released and the ninetyness about them, um, especially the Chelsea one, which is black and orange, as a sort of ode to their brilliant um, granite and orange kit of the mid nineties. That I think you mean Rud Hullet's famous wearing that always gets on those kit lists, but it's actually a beautiful kit. People always go, oh, but it's lovely. I love that kit. Um, Barcelona's have been officially released today as well, which is a really really heart back to that. To sort of turquoisey kit they wore in the 90s um, and Nike have reproduced that I really like the Spurs one as well that isn't so much of a throwback to although no thinking about it it looks a little bit like that kit one of my, well, my probably my favourite Tottenham kit they only wore it a couple of times in the early sort of 92-ish I want to say where it's got sp it's blue and it says Spurs kind of within the sort of uh, um, pattern on the front of the, the shirt their new third shirt is not quite the same shade of blue, a very nice sky blue, nice polo collar. But I think the crowning glory to all these kits, oh, I must mention the Inter Milan one, which is also um, inspired by their 90s uh, black and yellow kit. But what is the key that holds this all together is the Nike logo they've included on these kits. It isn't just the swoosh. It's that classic 90s swoosh with the word Nike above it, which is just when they first started making kits in the mid-90s, that is what they had on the kit, and they, you know, they simplified it as most brands have done over the years. Adidas is another one where they don't use the the trefoil anymore; um, they use the three stripes, obviously. But Nike, for these sort of heartback third kits that they've done, they've brought back that logo, which I love, and it just makes me think. It's like if you can do this kind of thing, I'm not asking for retro throwbacks every time, but they've obviously put a lot of thought into these third kits. Why don't companies like Nike and Adidas, to a certain extent? Put more thought into the, the home and away kits, which we'll see more, and be a bit more creative. Don't do these templates all the time. But that's a discussion for a, probably a more kit-based podcast. But I wanted to mention those amazing 90s third kits that have uh, uh, made an appearance, um, have been released this week or so. I don't think anyone's played in them yet. So it'd be nice to see them when they're on the pitch as well. Anyway, that's get on with today's show. Myself, Joel, Matthew, and special guest Richard Foster. As we get a little factoids about Premier League football and discuss Premier League nuggets. Enjoy the show and obviously keep it 90s. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. 
Welcome back to Alive and Kicking. And yeah, well, I'm back in the room. Well, not in the room, because the last time we were together, we were in a room. Um, but back on the line with my favourite two friends from the 90s. First of all, he's a social media mogul for many TV outlets. Mr. Joel Young, who's lost his cat this time? No, the cat's all right. The cat's in the house right now. Oh, but okay. No, he ran away a couple of days ago and he came back without his collar, which kind of worried me a little Ooh. bit. But he's all right, you know. Um, okay. He just went on yeah. a little adventure, did he? Well, I think so. I mean, I went out and got him at like five o'clock in the morning. Um, and he came running back like the Doyle that he is, like the massive Doyle that he is. But yeah, everything's all right. I'm very Beatles and um, Simpsons today, Ash. So uh, yeah, well, what you think about that? For those who follow you on Twitter, we'll see you've been doing the Simpsons World Cup, haven't you? Simpsons World Cup. And you know what? Al Murray, God bless him. Al Murray's been retweeting it, so it's gone a bit mad. So we're doing Simpsons World Cup at the minute. Um, one of my favourite Simpsons went out in the first round, Ooh. so I'm really upset about that. Yeah, but, I've, uh, I've been voting. I've been voting because you're doing very early ones as well. Because I kind of tailed off, but these. Are it's only kind of it, well. Look, if you go Simpsons series three to series nine, that's twenty six times what seven. So you're up to about 180-something episodes. Um, there's one duffer. <laughs> there's one duffer in that lot. And uh, the one duffer is the um, critic one, the one with, um, you know, the one that was a spin-off of the critic, which is a really uh, poor okay. instance, right, yeah. which is the one that Matt Grenning took his name off. That's how bad it was. Um, but yeah, this, uh, but I'm, I'm I'm very much in Simpsons mode and Beatles mode, so yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, some some really funny Simpsons. My favourite two are the PTA disbands, which I just think is unbelievably funny, and um, what's the other one I like? Um, PTA disbands and uh, Homer's phobia. I think the one where Homer doesn't like. John, the gay guy. What's your favourite Simpsons, Matthew? Now, can I introduce him first? <laughs> then we'll ask uh, well, him. I just would like to talk with him, that's all. Yeah, it's waiting in the wings there while we talk Simpsons. He is a writer for many plethora of outlets. Uh, Mr Matthew Christ, how are you doing, Matthew? What is your favourite Simpsons episode? Can I talk yet? Can yeah, I talk yet? Yeah. Well, you shut up. I've just, I, I tried to introduce you. Yeah. Oh, that's not my like job. I don't that's like my you. job, Joel. <laughs> I, I, I was waiting for the red light to go on, you know, yeah. over the profession. I, I don't know if I a favourite ever Simpsons, really. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just one of those things where I know a lot of bits of Simpsons. Oh, but come on. I've watched it for 20 years, probably. I, I well, like flaming. So that makes like it flaming ninety nine, Matthew. Yeah. So this is well, a yeah. podcast. And I like yeah. flaming Moe's. That'd probably be one of my flaming Moe's is all right. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my friends. And, the, and the the barbershop quartet when they're on the top yeah. of Moe's. So I, I I I'm actually in the middle of a row with my dad at the minute. Um, about the Simpsons. No, no, no. About the Beatles. Oh, okay. So that that's completely not in my genre. But go on. Well, no, if you're in the barbershop one, then that is a Beatles thing. That is a Beatles thing, that's true, yeah. But, um, yeah okay, um, my uh, my dad today, I was talking to my dad on the phone, and he told me his favourite Beatle was George Harrison. And uh, for me, I don't know, you know, I've got lots of pictures of Paul McCartney on my wall. I'm like, why did you, why, why, Dad? Why, Father? Why? Why did you give me, like, a, a love for the Beatles, and yet you're not into Paul McCartney? I just very upset with my father about that. I can't say Who's I've your favourite Beatle, yeah, Matthew? I can I Beatle. can I not 
bring in, can I not claim, keep it 90s on this one, please? Yeah. I'm not 60s. Too. Yeah, I haven't got a favourite Beatles. Sorry. Hold on, the Beatles, hold on, the Beatles had some records in the 90s. They had two, they had um, Freezer Bird and they yeah. had Real Love that came out in about 1994. So if you, if you get it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the video that. for Freezer Bird is very good. But I mean, the 90s stuff doesn't, obviously, it's just stupid things. But yeah, who's your favourite Beatle, Matthew? Come on. You live uh, in Liverpool, Christ. It would probably be... I'd, I'd probably say Paul, yeah. I can't. McCartney, obviously. Yeah. See, Matthew's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what, about yeah. You, what about you, Ash? Come on, who's your favourite Beatle? Well, Ringo Starr, obviously, because he did Thomas Tank Engine. That's clearly the reason why I would go for it. <laughs> Even though he's like total... I mean, he's been uh, trending this week, Al... <laughs> Ringo, and he because he's Mr. Anti Brexit, although that's a really old video, that's like a four year old video or something. Well, let's talk football, shall we? There were a lot of Beatles and the Simpsons. Um, I haven't, well, the last time we were all together, we were literally all together, which was very nice for Jumper to the Goalpost, which we had lots and lots of fun of. Hopefully, we haven't told the story about me and Matthew getting the beer out the bin, have we? Well, we can tell we can do all that once we you know we can review okay. the show and how we fall. If you want to listen to that live show, it's the previous episode. Go into the archive and listen to us talking with a very nice Nigel Winterburn. Um, he was a nice man, wasn't he, Matthew? Great bloke, really was. I mean, obviously you were gearing it up to try and have some kind of beef with him, uh, taking sides with Brian McLaren, obviously. But um, I thought he was great value. He was he was he got involved in the in the. Competition. He, he, he was he was completely invested in what the made uh, me laugh the most. Choices he made. It, it, it's the, he, he sort of turned up on the stage and he was like, "Oh, I didn't know you were drinking." <laughs> and I was like, "I'll go and get you a drink." So I jumped off. And if you've listened to it, you've heard this I, go on. But I've never seen you go to the bar so quickly. Big <laughs> podcast and ran off and got a solid drink. You know, so that was good. Yeah. And then you yeah. got a beer out of the bin towards the end of the procession. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. What happened was. I turned up and I brought a, 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 obviously a pear cider from Matthew. And obviously. Matthew, you, that's your drinking yes. choice, isn't yeah. it? Pear cider. Well, one um, of them. I brought a pear cider, I bought myself a couple of beers, and I wasn't allowed to bring them in, so I put them in the bin. And then we went in and we did the, we did the podcast, and that was lovely. And we had a look around and we met. John Devlin was there, and who else did yeah. we meet? Greg, Greg Lansdowne, Mr. Mr. Penny. Lansdowne was there. Tim. Tim, Tim, we met Tim, didn't oh, we? Table Tim, Tim. yeah, Table Tim and uh, Azam McKenzie as well, wearing his uh, USA 94 top as well, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was like a little reunion, wasn't it? It was a little gang. What's but the dude from the outside left, right? Because you, you left a long time before we did, Ash. No, yeah, family duties, but yeah. You left a long time before, so me and um, Matthew left and then we went back to the bin where I dumped my beer. And we got them back out. And I think I've got a picture of you, Matthew, of us scooping the beer out of the bin. Um, yeah, well, there was no other way of putting it. That's exactly what we did. I mean, it was That's obviously what we did. And then we sealed. went to a pub and watched, we watched the, the Community Shield. We did, yeah, with a bit of the ashes thrown in as well. Uh, right, oh, yeah. don't talk to me it's, about the cricket. No, this is not a cricket podcast. No, we we like the cricket, Ash. It's, it's you know, me that and Matthew a, like the cricket. It's very much the it's royal just you way. that's wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong. I'm happy to be wrong, definitely. Imagine not liking the cricket, though. Imagine, like, you know, we've lost the Ash. Well, you know, we haven't got the Ashes back. But um, 
Honestly, Ben Stokes, he didn't enjoy that as a sporting spectacle. Well, I didn't know about it until I was told by my brother-in-law when I was, where was I? I was somewhere and I came home and he was like, have you heard what happened? And yeah, I'm, I'm, it looked good, but it doesn't mean anything now because they lost the series, I assume. Oh, shut up, man. It's great. <laughs> I'm sure at the time it was. I just, yeah, it's not, it's not my back. It's not my back. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I, yeah, I tried. Honestly, I into, the cricket was the lovely. The, honestly, the World Cup was class. The cricket, the asses has been great. Um, Australia are a far better team than us, but I think that this Ashes series is forever going to have an asterisk against it because uh, Cameron Bancroft is a cheat, David Warner is a cheat, and Stephen Smith is a cheat, and and try and sue me because it's not because it, you know it's totally true. There we go. There's your, your cricket. Uh, we put that on your bingo card for for one. Although summer. although Stephen Smith, I need to say this is I've been watching cricket nearly twenty years. I need to say that Stephen Smith is the best Australian player I've ever seen. He's absolutely unbelievably good. However, he's still a fucking cheat. Okay, there you go. Cricket fans are like, there is yeah. For more cricket, go to Joel's Twitter feed. Um, I think, anything else to say on Jumbles the Golf Horse before we move on to today's show? We had a really good day, didn't we? We um, did have a good, it was a good festival. Yeah. with such good value. Like, he was so funny. And, actually, he didn't remember that <laughs> Middlesbrough won Arsenal six. He Nobody went, does apart from you. <laughs> when I got stuck in the bloody turd style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, he's he um, even, he uh, was great. I really, I really liked him. He was really good value. And he hung about and talked to everybody yeah, that was he, there. Yeah, and what's did. the name of the thing? Is it Play With A Player or something? Uh, play With A Legend. Yeah, we should give that a plug. Thanks to those guys. Josh, who's up with um, the guys at Jumps of Goalpost. Thank you very much. We're hopefully going to do more with them going forward because... They're a natural fit. If you want to, if you want a stagadoo or a party or anything, you get football. I think I saw some Francis Benali was doing it at the weekend. I think with a couple of people. So yeah, he's been doing a uh, soccer Zade, and he's such a breath of fresh air because I am so bored of those same people. Standard people, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, like Letitia and Merson and Charlie Nicholas and you uh, really haven't pulled any punches tonight, have you? Honestly, to be fair, right? This is the first time I watched Soccer Saturday, the first one of the season. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm so past this. Yeah, like it's a bit. It needs a bit. It needs a rejig. Whereas. The, the BT one as well. If you watch that, do you watch that? The BT. I thing, have where seen it. Yeah. It, it, it that kind of looks really weird as well because they're in a huge cavernous studio for that. They're a little bit um, too casual as well because they're in big chairs as well. As well. Yeah, like, yeah, and it can't. That doesn't work either. So it's kind of like, well, what should you do? But um, this is the first time I've thought Soccer Saturday looked tired, to be honest. And and I thought Francis Benali on there and um, a couple of other people that they've had sort of trying out. It, it's a lot better. But not, anyway. not Clinton Morrison. He's terrible. Oh, God, he's awful, yeah, isn't he? he's very bad. Clinton <laughs> Morrison, the Irishman. Yeah, uh, yeah, he won't be coming on this show now. But yeah, he's terrible. Anyway, someone who is coming on the show, that's welcome. We've got a guest tonight uh, talking about a brand new book and we're going to get stuck in with some sort of, well, we're going to call it 90s nuggets, but all will be explained. Uh, we'll be talking to author Richard Foster um, after this little break. Join us again on the other side here on Alive and Kicking. Hi. This is Elton Wellsby, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the outstanding 90s football podcast. Welcome 
Welcome back to Alive and Kicking, and uh, welcome to a new voice. Well, not a new voice, we have had him on the show before. I think we were talking playoffs the last time, because normally he's the playoff guru, but he's got a brand new book out, which he's going to tell about in a minute. Uh, Mr. Richard Foster, welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you very much, Ash. Lovely to be here. And you're not in the best way, because you just told us literally off air that you've been to the dentist, so we're going to be we have to treat you quite lightly today, because you're, you're yeah, kid sore. Club. Kid gloves. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a bit sore. Um We'll get to the book in just a second called Premier League Nuggets, which we're all very excited about. Um, I th- I'm going back to old school here, and we did we, when we used to do the football CVs. I don't know if we did that with you before, but you're a Palace supporter by trade, aren't you? I am indeed. Yes. So, I mean, if you could sum up Crystal Palace in the 90s without giving too much away of the book, what, what were your highlights from the decade for, for Crystal Palace? I'm thinking the cup final in the 90s, probably there or thereabouts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that was probably the height. So uh, then the rest of the decade wasn't so good. Um, And we did suffer three relegations from the Premier League. So we had this rather unwanted record of having been in the Premier League four times and being relegated four times, which we broke obviously in 2013-14 when we managed to survive. Uh, And we've been in there ever since, which is um, a bit weird. I went to um, I went to Palace. That was the last away game I went to, actually. And I remember was Allardyce in charge a yes, few years he, ago. And I remember I remember going there, and Allardyce was slagging off everybody that played for the club. And we went along, and I went, and I'm a Middlesbrough fan. For people, yes, if you don't but know, I, I was there as well, actually. Yeah, and it was the one. And then we went there, and I I totally expected us to win. And we went there, and he played. Um, God, he played uh, Stuart Downing at fullback, and I was like, "All oh, right, we're going down now." Lovely, and then I got flung out of the ground. So you know, that's, well, my, you that's my time at um, Sellers Park. I do remember, because um, I went to a Radio Six music thing with the uh, Maximo Park, and there. All right, yeah, yeah, I'm pals with Paul, yeah, yeah, and he he was talking about. Um, he was at that game as well. He said, "I think he lost one nil. It was a really dull game. It was and like one or two nil. Yeah, but yeah, you, it, Palace scored really early. It was very poor." Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Anyway, he wasn't. He wasn't particularly enamoured with the whole uh, Selhurst Park experience. But but not many are, are they? I don't mind Selhurst. I don't. I, I kind of like going yeah, there. It's old it's, school. It was like it's like a proper old school yeah. ground where yeah. it's, it's sort of like going to your corporate experience. So I sort of. I enjoyed it, but I did get flung out because I drink the beer in the stand. That's why I got flung out. So, uh, yeah. But Paul from Maximal, we should get Paul on one time, Ash. Uh, Paul Smith from Maximal Park, although he's a big Borough fan. So, you know, it's another one of them. It's another Janino-inspired episode. I always like going to Sellers Park. I remember going there a lot when Wimbledon played there because my... um, my uncle was a Wimbledon supporter at the time. He's not now. He was one of those fickle people, and they were just at Sellers Park. But so, who does he support now, Ash? Uh, Watford, randomly. That's where he was from originally. Yeah, I know. He's not really a football fan. He's just whatever flavour of the month. He's not really an well, uncle. He's walking his way through the Ws. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, well, when Charlie Austin's involved, I almost became a West Brom fan, but yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. So I, mean, I have fond memories of that. I even saw Mark Haley score for QPR at Selhurst Park, which is a very rare thing that happened um, during that era. Um, Matthew, what are your, any favourite Palace memories from the nineties? That's the let's go nineties and not Sam Allardyce. I mean, we're talking well, about I, the cup final. Obviously, is one of the best of the decade. We've said this before, haven't we? Well, it's one of the probably the 
Well, no, I was going to say the last good cup final, but I suppose you'd have to say the 2006 yeah. Liverpool one. But um, yeah, a great final. And Palace considered themselves very unlucky not to uh, not to win it. I mean, they, they ran United close in the first game and uh, it was a late Mark Hughes equaliser took it to a replay, which nobody, well, everyone remembers because it was just such a poor game. But um, I'll tell you why I remember it, Matthew. Here you go on. There's no top the pops, wasn't it? Because of uh, yeah. Thursday, Thursday night. But going back to your question, my biggest Sellers Park memory would have to be January 1995 when Mr. Cantona wore down the touchline yeah. and um, leapt into the crowd. And I don't know whether you were there that night, Richard, but you could almost oh, yeah. sense that it was oh, going to have, from the moment he left the pitch and walked down the sideline, we were opposite in the where the way end was back yeah, then, down the side. And uh, you could it just... You could see it was going to happen from a mile off. It was like, it was just the perfect storm, wasn't it? And um, yeah, a huge memory of mine from many visits to Selhurst Park. But that, yeah, that... I, I was there, but I was in the stand which Cantona jumped into. So I couldn't actually see because I was a bit further up. And so you'd have to crane. We obviously knew something was going on because there was a bit of a kerfuffle going on. The amazing thing was, considering this is, you know, mid-90s, I drove all the way home because I don't actually live anywhere. I live in northwest London, so I'm about an hour and a half away because it's. Oh, you're quite near me then, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I got all the way home without knowing what had really happened because, you know, no social media, nothing like that. And then I turned on the BBC News and went, oh, I was at it. Yeah, it was on Sports Night, wasn't it? It wasn't match of the day in the, in those days you know you're talking no and it obviously wasn't live people it's one of those things that people seem to think they remember watching in pubs no and, no, and, no, it, and no, it wasn't no. it really wasn't um I, I remember my brother picking me up a bit like you richard my brother picked me up from the station hours later and he was saying yeah i heard on the radio that Cantona went into the crowd and he was asking me for confirmation having been there it's funny to think that that's how it was. I mean, now, now you'd have like a million videos of it. Yeah, Everyone yeah. memes would see yeah. Because we didn't, we didn't really know, it. even though we'd seen it firsthand and it was dead opposite where we were, it still hadn't really sunk in what had actually happened until we got back that night. And then really the next day when the papers and obviously the news, because yeah. uh, it wasn't really, you didn't we really have the rolling news. That, um, the, the Premier League banned it, didn't they? They stopped it being shown it, for yeah. a long time. Oh, is that right? Mm. So they yeah, were, yeah, they stopped. Uh, this has been shown for about ten or twelve years, and now you're allowed to see it again because obviously it's so far in the past. But at the time, it was it was banned, so we had you got the pictures of it, and and you know you got a little bit of footage of it, but nothing else because it was deemed so outrageous that it, it, it shouldn't be shown and people shouldn't be allowed to see it, which is nuts, really. Whereas now, you know, as we say, you know, everybody will be there with the phones recording it. It would be all over Twitter. It would be all over Facebook. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. 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 You got a six-month ban, was it? Six months? Nine well, months extended. Nine, extended to nine. Back, yeah. Did he come back? Was it the Liverpool game? Yeah, the 2 yeah, yeah. October the 1st. Yeah. yeah. And well, scored, do we, do we miss it? Do we miss Eric Cantona? Well, after seeing him the other day on that, um, what was it, the FIFA Best Awards and the speech he gave, yeah. which was oh my god, <laughs> as bonkers as ever. Which I just love that he probably prepared that in the cab on the way home. Fame. Well, how can I? He did. How can I troll the audience now with uh, some sort of ridiculously? And they all kind of oh, what does that mean? You have to read into every, analyze every word, what it meant. And I just think he's been playing you again, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Didn't he? he all did, right, Ash. Quickly, he did quote King Lee. Yeah, there, didn't they? He did. Did he make the Premier League? Did he make the Premier League? Yeah, did he? 
he made it. I had this conversation with my friends on WhatsApp a few a few weeks ago about who's the greatest import, and can, this was the Cantona. Well, you say Burkham. I, I think Burkham had the he's the bit best player, but I think Cantona arguably had the best influence because he was the first Premier League superstar and made the league. I think Cantona made the league. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we wouldn't be where we are now without Burkham. He changed Man United's fortunes. Of course, yeah. Exactly, yeah. When he joined in late November, they weren't anywhere and they'd had a bit of a bad run. In fact, I was checking this uh, earlier in my book and it was actually Ferguson's worst run. They went seven games. Oh, wow. Well, it included a home defeat to Crystal Palace, didn't it? In that 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 season? What do you know about home defeats to Crystal Palace, Matthew? Well, I mean, I was obviously the one in 1989. The one this week. Well, yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? <laughs> it was Mark Bright scored in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a long 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it has. Well, it, it was almost airbrushed out of history. I mean, we were talking the other week about how it was Palace's first ever win at Old Trafford. I was thinking, well, it actually wasn't because yeah. it made a big stink at the time and nearly got Ferguson the sack that defeat, if you remember. Was, wow, really? Did it? Yeah, a big yeah, sign went up. A, big, yeah. a sign went up in the crowd, big bedsheet daubed with the, the words. Enough is enough, uh, Tarar Fergie. And uh, yeah, they were calling, calling for his head because he dropped Mark Hughes, I think, for that game. And the crowd were Matthew, howling. Matthew, did you, did you, as a United fan, want rid of Ferguson at that time? Or did you think he was the guy for the job? No, I think probably around about that time, yeah, we probably did think enough was enough. Because, I mean, it was, they were terrible. And in that season, that 89-90 season, I mean, they didn't win in the league. They didn't win an away game for three months in the league. Um, and they didn't. You know, they were hovering above the relegation zone. I mean, the cup run sort of boosted them, you know, kept them afloat, really. Is, and, um, that, is that cup win, the one that everybody talks Mark, about? The Mark Robbins. Yeah, yeah, the Mark Forrest, Robbins yeah. yeah. Is that really as important as everyone makes out? Well, it is in hindsight, yeah. I mean, if, if they'd, the following season they'd done nothing, then I don't know how much impact it would have had. But it just, it, it just lit the blue touch paper, didn't it? Because on the back of that, then they won the... Cup Winners' Cup, and then on the back of that, they then nearly won the league and won the League Cup. And then from that the following season, they did win the league, and then you know pretty much won everything for the next twenty odd years. So I think, yeah, I think it was pretty big. But I think back only seat- Martin Edwards knows if it's the sliding doors moment because only he would have known when, how long they were going to give him, really. But it seemed like that, isn't it? Well, he said that the reason he would have had to pull the trigger was when because crowds were so low. I mean, in that 89-90 season, you know, crowds were getting down to the low, uh, 29,000, you know, and he was oh, saying wow, that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, the season before that, the 88-89 season, United played Wimbledon at home and there were 23,000. And then they played Everton at home and there were 28,000. That's and, what, I mean, uh, Gareth Southgate got sacked from Middlesbrough for that sort of Well, they say, they say that that's the biggest thing for... Uh, same with Roy Hodgson at Liverpool. So as soon as it's... The crowd started dipping below forty thousand, and they're actually empty As seats. You get beneath half. That's when. We yeah, had, it was the same with Hassel, thinking, when we yeah. had um, Hasselbank. That was one of the reasons Hasselbank got sacked. That crowds were were dwindling even at Loftus Road, and the crowds weren't great in the first place. So they, it must be a factor. Um, anyway, Richard, you mentioned your book. Then let's do the, the shield first of all before we dive into some. It's called Premier League Nuggets. Tell us what it's about, when it's out, and everything and everything about this new release from yourself. Okay, well, um, last year I wrote a book called World Cup Nuggets and it seemed to go down quite well. So this is a similar idea in that you've got, it's basically idiosyncratic facts and stats. Which we love. 
what I've done is I've looked at every single team that have been in the Premier League. Now, boys, I'm going to test you. So, <laughs> one after the other, tell me how many clubs have been in the Premier League since 92-93. Starting with you, Ash. As uh, I should know this, and I did know it at some point. And the, I'm either, is it 64? Right, who's next? Well, I would go lower than that. If, if we're doing nearest pin, I would say 60. Okay, who's next? Um, I would say 45. Well, Joel is very close. It's 49. Oh, well done, Joel. I couldn't remember it, if he was it in the... It's going to be 60-odd. It's only been 25 I know, Joel, what? I thought it was 46 in my head. And then I was like, no, that's too less. And that's what I should have gone for. So yeah. I, knew that, I knew that it was it was one way round or the other, but yeah, okay. So yeah, so obviously, anyway, um, what I do is I look at um, I sort of have a bank of stats for each club. So we look at you know all you know how many games. This is up to the end of last season, so that's where the lines drawn. Uh, so how many games have they played? How many have they won? How many of those are home? How many are away? Similar with the goals scored. How many against? home and away so all those stats are in there for every club uh highest position lowest position highest attendance lowest attendance and it's really interesting because this is a 1990s forecast when you look at the high and low attendances for each club nearly every club's lowest attendance is in the period 92 to about 96 so i'll give you an example so, so is that Man, like wimbledon bringing that down basically yeah, but Man United's lowest Premier League uh, attendance was in September '92, and it happened to be against Crystal Palace, oh. and it's twenty-nine thousand seven hundred thirty-six. Can I just—I'll uh, say why, and, and I think a lot of this is, is, is true across the board. But the Stratford End had been knocked down at that season, hadn't it? So, yes. so there was rebuilding going on. That, that yeah. turned out. But also, let's look at QPR's lowest. Ooh. Premier League. Here we go. I'm afraid it didn't make 10,000. It was 9,875 against Swindon in April 94. Oh, we lost and amazingly, well. Swindon beat 3-1. Yeah, they did. We're the only team that did a double over that season. I remember it vividly. Yeah, they only won five matches, so yeah. they wouldn't have done doubles, would they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, two over us. And then, uh, of course, Middlesbrough. I'm, I'm trying to keep this balanced. Yeah. The lowest one was 12,290 for the Classic against Oldham in March. <laughs> oh, God. Wasn't that on Sky as well? Did they show that on Sky? Is it really? <laughs> really? Yeah, but they, well, do, they, do, they do have to put the crap... You know what they like? You know what like? they like? They want to get rid of um, the bogus teams at the, at the same time. So Oldham and Borough. Was Joe Royal in charge of Oldham then? Are you saying yeah, Oldham aren't a Premier League out? would have been, yeah. Um, but so I, I get all those stats out. We also, I, I go for something called one hit wonders. So they're players who played just for one game for the club. So I'll give you Palace's one hit wonder, which you probably won't remember. Ray Wilkins, the dear departed. Oh. Ray he played one game, opening game of the 94, 95 season. We lost six, one to Liverpool at home. Ray Wilkins broke his foot in about the 80s oh, and never played a game. Because then he us. went on to, he left to then come back to QPR and manage QPR after that, didn't he, if I remember right? Yeah, I think he, did, he, he coached at Palace for that yeah. season and went back to QPR. Yeah. 
but there are you know there's some really nice one hit wonders so i've got for example one that really struck me was nigel clough played one game for sheffield wednesday can anyone remember no not at all holy moly i no, i don't remember that no after liverpool yeah, uh, I think it must have been. Yeah, yeah. I would never have said that. That is a that's a good nugget, definitely. So there are all those sort of nuggets. I give you every uh, teams how many own goals, how many red cards. I also quite like the fact I go into each club's first ever Premier League match. So I give you who it was against, the score, and then you have the lineup, and it's always oh, fascinating. Well, ours is easy because ours was the first ever Monday night football, which was a main road on Man yeah. City, and we drew one all. Andy Sinton scored a belter of a goal. Um, what was Night- Forest? Forest was the Sunday, wasn't it? Forest Super Sunday. Yeah, yeah that was Forest Liverpool, wasn't it? Sheringham scored. Yeah, Sheringham scored the goal. And United's game featured the first ever exactly. Premier League goal. United would have been Sheffield United at Bramwell Lane. Yep, I have no Dean. idea who we had. Absolutely not a clue. Middlesbrough. It up for you. Yeah, I don't oh, remember. Not a clue. It's Excuse not me. one that trips off the tongue, but um, what Borough? Um, no, not a clue. Tell, tell us, tell us, tell us. I'm, I'm, I'm just. I haven't got it to, on the tip of my tongue. I'm just going to look it up in my book here. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, and Richard's book is available on uh, Amazon.com or something. <laughs> so, what was your first season? Do you remember which year it was? What in the Premier League? Uh, it was the first season in the Premier League. It was right. All four of our teams were in the ninety-two, ninety-three. Yeah, yeah, we were definitely there because I used to live like literally a spit from Edison Park. Well, they're all in that that famous picture as well, aren't they? My, my favourite picture of the Sky Alive and Kicking picture. There's um, Middlesbrough is Alan Kernigan. Uh, Kernigan, yeah. Crystal Palace is John Salaka. John yeah. Uh, with Andy Sinton and May United is Lee Sharp. Oh, there you go. Off the top of my head. Okay, uh, Joel, your first Premier League match, 15th of August 1992, was at Highfield Road, oh, where you lose 2-1 to Coventry, and your goal was scored by Paul Wilkinson. Paul Wilkinson! <laughs> scored your first Premier League goal, there you go. Well, there you go, I didn't know that. Um, Wilkinson was a really funny one, because um, Brian Robson tried to get rid of him out the club, and uh, and then there was one point where we didn't have any strikers and we had to give Wilkinson a number. So he ended up wearing something wacky like 35 or 36 or something. Um, but yeah, um, Wilkinson, yeah, he came from Everton, I think, we got him from, Scouse boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, I remember the name. I definitely remember the name. Um, so yeah, so this is what the, when's the book out, Richard? Where can people get the, the book before we talk more about it? Um, it's a very good question. It was originally going to be coming out in August, but um, there have been a few issues with printers who are not the most reliable people in the world. Um, but it's I'm, I've actually been fact-checking today. It should be going to print next week. I would estimate it will be in the shops within four weeks. So let's say middle of October, hopefully. Oh, it's going to be perfect Christmas present timing then. Well, that is the point. That is, yeah, my that is the aim. Publisher keeps telling me that's really good because it means that we're not selling in August, we're selling in October. And as you say, that is prime Christmas market. And, and to be fair, it's a Christmas book because it's, you know, it's a nuggets book. It's yeah. not a, it's a coffee table book. Yeah. 
It is, and that, it's not 80,000, you know, beautifully written words. It's a load of stats and facts, and then I just pull out a few things for each club. And obviously, Man United get a little bit more coverage than Blackpool because they happen to have been in for 27 seasons. But I, I try and be balanced about it and try and, you know, give Blackpool as much, you know, coverage as they deserve because I thought Blackpool were quite an interesting club in the um, Premier League for their one season. Yeah. But this when, is the 90s exactly. podcast. So. When, when Ian Holloway was still fashionable, of course. Yeah. Which he is no longer. Um, so, yeah, it's bit, I've, we asked you beforehand, you've already bought a couple of theirs. What other 90s nuggets have you discovered on your um, way through this book? Well, I was just looking because, you know, you told me that you, you, you obviously you're a QPR fan, you've got a Middlesbrough and a Man United fan. So I was just looking at a few things. So, again, the first matches are always interesting. So Palace's first match, which I went to at Selhurst Park, was a, quite a thrilling three-all draw with Blackburn with a new signing, Alan Shearer. Oh, of course, it was Shearer's debut, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So he scored twice. Um, and a certain Gareth Southgate scored mm. a good goal. He, the ball came out the edge of the area. He was loitering there for some reason, and he just sort of half followed it back in. Richard, um, was he a midfield player when he was that Because that's how I remember him. I, and yeah, when he came to Wolsey, I mean, he, Gareth Southgate and Jonathan Woodgate are the two greatest defenders I've ever seen. But he was in midfield, wasn't he, there with Chris Coleman? Yeah, he started in midfield and he dropped back when we need we started tripping goals. So he, someone decided that he should be going back. And I think he, when he was at Villa, he was a back. He was a defender, wasn't he? I think I think he just got converted into a defender from being. He was quite a good midfielder. He had a good shot for him. Um, Famously played a midfield in that England Germany game, didn't he? For in Kevin Keegan's last international, I remember rightly as well. Oh. Yes, that, that old... Um, that, that old chestnut. <laughs> yeah. um, so, obviously, um, when we look at Man U and you say Sheffield United, I mean, you look at Man United's start in the first of the season and it was terrible. So, they lost 2-1 at Sheffield United. Next game, they lost 3-0 at home to Everton. The next game, they had Ipswich at home and they only drew one all. Uh, and then they had that long... their longest winless run of seven matches between... September and November, um, and they only won. They only actually lost two more games after that really bad run. And weirdly, they were against Oldham and Ipswich, who weren't exactly ripping up the division. But um, as I say, I think Cantona joining in late November probably was the catalyst for everything changing for them. Do you remember those Amid- games, Matthew, those Oldham and Ipswich games of that season? Yeah, because I remember, like Richard said, Cantona joined when it was looking particularly bad. I mean, bear in mind, United had just blown the league the season before, haven't they, where they should have won it, yeah, and yeah. they threw it away against Leeds, and then uh, it looked like it was going pear-shaped again, and uh, Cantona signed in that famous sort of uh, where were you moment when he signed, and, and no one could believe he'd actually joined, and uh, he came on as a substitute against Manchester City, in the second half, uh, which was his sort of debut, and United beat City, and, and they were pretty ruthless all the way through, right through till Christmas, and um, and yeah, they obviously battled it out with Villa, didn't they, for the uh, title that season? And it was yeah. two and two and throwing. Villa were obviously in the in the driving seat, but then there was that famous game against Sheffield Wednesday with Steve Bruce's two headers that sort of swung the momentum. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it really was a. a tale of two halves really that season because like you say the first half of it everyone just thought 
here we go again. You know, I said, you know, they've, they've blown the chance to win the league the season before, and it's never going to happen essentially because that, that's certainly how it looked in the sort of October, November. Because obviously Dublin broke his leg. Was that against Palace? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the sort of I big think that news. was on Holmes of the Hammer, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. But I mean, it was I mean, he's under the hammer. But I mean, obviously, it kind of works in United's favour because Dublin broke his leg, was going to be out for the season, and United had to go and buy someone new. And they got Cantona, but um, yeah, lots of sort of sliding doors moments really in that season. Exactly. Funny you should mention sliding doors because actually, what also I do in the book is I've asked fans of each club, as Ash knows, because he's contributed to the QPR moment. So I sort of asked for the sliding door moment for the Premier League uh, for each club. So I've got a, I've got a really nice selection of people actually the last one actually came in today which was David Priest, who did Sunderland obviously yeah but um a real coup here I got John Ludden who wrote the book about Maradona I hope you've all seen the Maradona film he's got and he's going to be on the show next week as well so yeah oh well uh so he's done the Man United one so, um, and what, which of these sliding doors did he choose? Did he choose the uh, that the Cantona moment, or was it a later version? Uh, now you're testing me out. I'll, I'll keep that as a little secret. Yeah, okay, no spoilers. Get, you've got to get the book to find yeah. out. Um, Joe, what would you say Middlesbrough's sliding doors moments of the Premier League? We won't give it away what's in Richard's book, but what would you say was the sliding um, doors? Sure, um, the three points, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because Coventry stayed up and they didn't stay up through any of their own sort of wonderful thing. And that should be the Coventry one, really, the fact that we got uh, we went down. But as I've said on this podcast before, you know, uh, those three points getting deducted gave us a mega kick up the arse. And we got our two best players for the next five years out of that, which was John Luca Vestra and Mark Schwarzer. Um, but yeah, the, the three points is... Um, it, 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 it's it's had such a scar on the football club and the town. Mm-hmm. Um, even now, people still talk about those three points. Um, it was it was a ridiculous decision in the first place, and uh, you know, it's, and I've said before, you know, we we were ready to get Ince Gascoigne, who we got anyway, and um, Romario, Romario and, and <laughs> Des Walker. Des Walker's the one that makes me laugh more than anything, but it was they were the four people lined up to come in, come in, Paul Lynch, Paul Gascoigne, um, Romario, and and Des Walker, and and so that is definitely the the sort of the, the sliding doors moment. Um, A piss but, up with Paul Merson and Romario would be fun. <laughs> well, we got we well no Merson wouldn't have, no Merson wouldn't have come. If, oh, if we'd have stayed up, we wouldn't have signed Paul Merson. Merson came because um, Brian Robson persuaded him, and um, and Merson was uh, Merson was an unbelievably good player for us. He got us promoted that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we paid five million for him, and he was outstanding. But had we stayed in the Premiership, we wouldn't have bought Paul Merson and I was a massive fan of him I remember the first game we were kind of like oh what's he doing the second game oh my goodness me his little his passes with the outside of the boot just beautiful what a player Paul Merson was and he was the one and really bizarre and I know you don't like Mickle Beck Ash but <laughs> him and Mickle Beck oh my Beck. 
goodness me, he made Mickelbeck look like a star, whereas Ravinelli in the Premier League just hollered at Mickelbeck all day long, you know, just <laughs> was telling him how terrible he was, whereas Merson found him with the outside of his boot every time. So what a play... But no, had we not gone down, we wouldn't have got Merson. So yeah, that would be the that would be the thing. It's, it's the three points. Um, more than signing Janino, more than signing Ravinelli, more than signing Emerson. You know, that would be the thing for me. But it still seems really odd, doesn't it, now that a Premier League team should fail to fulfil a fixture? I mean, or it's nuts. Um, it is nuts. Agreed. And, and, and at the time, I remember hearing it going. Ugh, what? But the story that we've always been told at home is that it was, you know, they'd gone to the Premier League. Keith Lamb had talked to the Premier League and just said, look, everyone's ill. It, yeah. It's nuts. This can't happen. And then they'd been allowed to call it off. And then uh, Tony Parks, I think, was in charge of Blackburn at the time. And he started kicking up loads of nonsense about it. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, they shouldn't have been allowed to do it. But I think they were given a lot of bad advice as well. I don't think they've done it. You know, if they'd have known that was going to happen, they should have played. You know, I used to know a lot of the youth team at that time. Yeah. And I used to talk to them and they were going, we should have played. You know, and they were like 16, 17 year old. Look at, look at Bolt. That's what I say about Bolt this season, yeah. Yeah. Look, they, they, they should have just gone, you know what, let's put a load of 16, 17-year-olds out. Let's lose the game and let's deal with the next thing. That's what they should have done. But yeah. they told the Premier League what was going on and it didn't happen. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is the, That's the thing for me. Good stuff. Anything else you, uh, you've discovered that you don't want to, you can spoil for us quickly, Richard? Um, what are the... The best facts I came across was that Man City have obviously got quite a few records these days, yeah. but uh, the best thing is that they've won the Premier League by the most amount of points, so the biggest margin. They've also won the Premier League by the narrowest margin, which I'm sure Matthew will remember, um, you know, on goal points. So uh, I, I just think that's quite... I like those sort of top and tail facts, which... Mm. Uh, collect together mm. um, but the, yeah I mean there's plenty in there for every fan of every team that's been in the Premier League and that's what I like and, that, and as I say I like the fact that I've got fans um, some celebrated some not uh, who've written about their moments because it gives it a bit of character I think because you can maybe overdo stats but I think getting the fans view of you know what is the sliding door moment for most of these clubs is is a fascinating insight and and there's some, been some great writing including obviously from Ash. Oh, you're, you're too kind. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it's rushed as you as always. Most of mine is. Um, but no, we look, we look forward to to reading the book. I'm so that will be coming out within the next month, as you say, Richard. So that'll be yeah. all good. And um, as soon as you got your and we've been talking uh, lots of Crystal Palace. We'd be remiss of us not to mention a certain character of the 90s, very much of that era at Sohurst Park, Mr. Attilio Lombardo, who's somebody yeah. who I love to talk about, because as a neutral at the time, I loved the whole, you know, exotic foreigner, big name coming into to a club like Crystal Palace, which at the time was on a par to, you know, QPR. What were your memories of the time, and how has he seen since at Sohurst? Yeah, I mean, it was a shock, probably as much of a shock to... 
Joel getting Ravenelli from you know the Champions League winners Juventus. Um, and he arrived. I've told this story a million times, haven't I? The story about when we signed Ravenelli. Yes, <laughs> it's the short <laughs> answer. But I'm sure it's, it's very so good. Oh, great! No, it's great because. I was watching, just for no reason, I was watching Wimbledon on uh, BBC One. Not the football club, you mean the tennis tournament? Yeah. The tennis, yeah, not the, honestly. Well, Um, just clarifying. Well, just going full circle to our original conversation. broke into some tennis match and just went, oh, we've got a little bit of football news for here, a little bit of a news flash. Uh, Middlesbrough, the team from the North East, have signed uh, the guy... Fabrizio Ravinelli, the European Cup winner for £7 million. You know him, he's the one with the grey hair. Nothing wrong with that. That's, like, that's the greatest bloody thing, like, for so many reasons. But yeah, sorry I jumped in there, but yeah. That's right. Well, um, Lombardo didn't have white hair, he didn't have any hair. So um, he was known as the Bald Eagle. He scored his debut, I think, at Everton, and we suddenly thought, oh, we were right, actually, because we've got Lombardo, uh, and then it all went horribly wrong. And by I think February time, the manager disappeared. So they decided, oh, what we'll do is we'll appoint Lombardo. He's got absolutely zilch manager experience. Hardly speaks any English. He's a great idea for a manager. And then alongside him, we obviously had uh, Tubby Brolin. <laughs> and, it was just one of those seasons where you thought, this can't be, this is, you keep pinching yourself for, mainly for bad reasons, because we were pretty awful, and we ended up rock bottom, and it was just, we just, you're trying to equate the fact that Lombardo clearly is a class player, I think he, he was, seemed to be quite a nice bloke as well, he wasn't, you know, throwing his toys out of the pram, he really thought he made it in the Premier League playing for Palace, which is an interesting concept. And then, you know, he took over as manager and it all, you know, we were we were away and we were cast adrift and it was goodbye. But um, it's just one of those extraordinary confluences of, you know, getting a brilliant player, but being absolutely crap. Yeah, I kind of, I think that's the thing that QPR missed out on in that decade. We didn't ever sign that world foreign player when it was all the, in vogue we were constantly linked with, Robert, with Roberto Baggio at the end of his career which was ridiculous even at that point because <laughs> he's Roberto Baggio but we never had that kind of um, you know what Middlesbrough did or even a Benito Carboni someone like that we never had that kind of he played for us in the end Ashley. I know he did yeah but um, you know in, when he signed for Sheffield Wednesday and everyone was like oh lose this guy who was an average player in Serie A but because the Premier League was still in his infancy at that time looked probably above you know, a Mark Pembridge, no disrespect to, to the ginger yeah. to, to the ginger star. But um yeah, keep on I think we got relegated too soon. We had Ned Zellick who was terrible from Australia. He played like five games and then signed off back to, to Oz. And that's as close as we got really. But um unlike Man United obviously who, you know, had Eric Canton, I had the best one. I was trying to think yeah. of who your one game wonder was for Man United. Do you remember? You've got in the book. It's Michael Keane, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, He made one full-time appearance. And obviously, after his performance last night, he's probably not that many more. Um, Sorry. No, I shouldn't be too harsh. Um, Actually, I've got a QPR fact here, Ash. Go on, go for it. I love it. Of the first 10 hat-tricks scored in the Premier League, how many were scored by QPR players? First 10 of any 
you know, Premier League. Premier after. League. Well, at least three because Andy Sinton, December '92, because that was my first ever game. And Who's then, that? Uh, it was against Everton at Loftus Road, and then there was Les Ferdinand's back-to-back hat tricks that Easter. Exactly. At Nottingham Two Forest. Two space of three days. Yeah, over the Easter weekend, Nottingham Forest and Everton as well. So I think is there someone else I'm missing? So at least I'm going to go th- three. Yeah, very missing. good. So you yeah. you've got your credibility back after your um, yeah sixty forty. Yeah, I'm disappointed in that one. So yeah, but that, that I mean that's pretty extraordinary. It's three out of the first ten. And remember, you were the top London club. We were. We don't let anyone forget it. Don't worry. Oh God, here we go. Sorry, have I have I have I raked out with some cold? Well, Matthew's Matthew's lucky. We're only talking Premier League because then I can. Oh yeah, him. I've been keeping yeah. very quiet because if you could delve back a season before, there'd be more hat tricks because Dennis Bailey would have been exactly. Involved. Which um, oh, good old Dennis. Yeah. Someone on Twitter. There have been two QPR hat tricks since those for those first. Oh, here we go in the Premier League. Um, yes, Charlie Austin. Correct. 2014. Uh, 2014. Who's the other one? Um, who is he's, he comes from a famous football family. Uh, Bradley Allen. Correct. Yeah. That was Everton um, the World Cup Nuggets one you did previously, I'm sure they've got some great USA 94 Nuggets in there. I must get a hold of that. Anything you remember off the top of your head? Because that's kind of the World Cup I always hark on about on here. USA 94. Um, I'm putting you on the spot, I'm fully aware. Diane Ross. Uh, you know, it was the most watched World Cup in terms of attendance, wasn't it, the 94? Yeah, no, that's a very good point because everyone said, why are you giving it to the USA? And, you know, the average attendance was something like 80,000. Um, I just remember that awful uh, Branco uh, elbow against uh, the USA. Yeah. That was yeah. What the, the former Middlesbrough fullback Branco? No, it was um, Leonardo, wasn't it? Not Branco. Oh, it was Leonardo. Yeah, 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 yeah Leonardo. Yeah, but that Leonardo. was a terrible, brutal elbow. Brutal. Yeah, and, and the final obviously was a big disappointment. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, we all thought, oh, this is going to be you know just like it was in 1970. Uh, but I, and I would say because uh, I'm old enough to remember it, 1970 World Cup for me is still by far and away the best. How anybody who watches Brazil play uh, any of those games, they were absolutely unbelievable. Mm, indeed. Brilliant. Well, well, can people get in touch with you on the, on Twitter as well if they want to know anything about your books or your writing? Where can people find you? I am at RC Foster, so RC as in Roman Catholic Foster, um, and I tweet a fair amount. So you all know all about the book. Uh, the book is published by Ockley Books, who uh, have their own site as well, uh, and it'll be in all good bookshops and maybe. It will be available in Amazon, of course, and Waterstones and all those as well. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And um, obviously, I'll invite you guys to the launch, wherever that may be. Oh, sounds and- good. Oh, oh, here we go. Yeah, no, we like a launch. Trouble's coming. <laughs> good stuff. And we'll, we'll just have a, a, a 90s mashup or that whatever sound, they call it. That, sound, that sounds good. And of course, any time when the playoffs come around next year, you're the man for the playoffs as well, as we talked about previously on this show. You are the Mr. Playoffs, aren't you? Your previous books you've written. Yeah, well, I wrote uh, the 
only history of the playoffs, which is quite weird because they're such an important part of football. Uh, so that was back in 2015 and I've updated it a couple of times and I'm going to have to update it again soon. But yeah, if you were to put me into a mastermind seat, the playoffs would be my specialist subject. And uh, I, I, I have studied it far too much. Um, <laughs> As my wife and my daughters point out, you really need to get out more, Dad. Yeah, that's that's a mantra we can all um, definitely sympathise with. And um, boys, where can people find you guys on the Twitter? Matthew, where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, simple at Matthew J Christ on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uniformed, Mister Young. Uh, Joel Baby tweets on Twitter and Joel Baby Herc on the Instagram. Instagram and follow myself at Ashraj if I can get it out at Ashraj UK. But more importantly, follow the show at AK Nineties on Twitter and at AK Nineties Pod on Instagram. Subscribe, like, share, all those you know, rate, review, all that stuff. Um, I've been Ash Rose. This has been Alive and Kicking. Join us again next week, hopefully, when we'll be speaking to John Ludden and we'll be talking about Diego Maradona. A subject we've rarely touched on on, a sh- on this show, which is that doesn't happen very often. So yeah, join us for that. But until next time, keep it nineties.